0: Hi, welcome to Busted Los Angeles, true stories about getting around LA told by people who don't drive. I'm Scott Schultz. Welcome back. I have a very special guest, Bobby Becerra. She'll be with us shortly. Bobby is a good friend of the show and a popular storyteller among the busted audience and also throughout Los Angeles. Uh, Bobby is a lifelong resident of Los Angeles as well as a lifelong non motorist. Uh, She is also a child domestic abuse activist and the author of the memoir, Learning to Take It, How I Grew Up to Accept Abuse, which is available on Amazon. Like I said, she's a favorite among Busted's live audiences, and she is literally the storyteller who I refer to when I tell people that I literally recruit my storytellers from the sidewalks of Los Angeles because I actually met Bobby on a sidewalk, and she has since gone on to tell stories at many live shows, and we're going to have her shortly on the show, as well as our very first busted bus cinema review. But first, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Dodger game, the World Series past. Um, it was a very exciting time for the city. Uh, you could walk through the town. Uh, on your commutes, and it was just so fun seeing uh, people wearing the blue, the Dodger blue, the hats. You could hear people on the trains very excited about the Dodgers, people who weren't necessarily Dodger fans, but they just got caught up in the excitement of a championship in town, and it's so great for the city, and I thought it was really tremendous that the Metro worked with the Dodgers, having a Dodger shuttle. Uh, They promoted it heavily on the trains, They promoted it pretty heavily with the Dodgers, and you would see those full buses rolling up Sunset Boulevard. They had a dedicated lane, and they were bringing lots of Dodger fans to the games, and hopefully some of those Dodger fans will turn into public transit commuters. Hopefully they enjoyed the Gold Line, they enjoyed uh, seeing Union Station, maybe tried the bus as an alternative riding on Sunset Boulevard. We might not have won the World Series this year, but we will be back. That was a great young team. And hopefully, public transit will be a part of the Dodgers as they both grow within the city. I want to welcome our first guest, uh, Bobby Becerra. Uh, she's sitting next to me. I don't want to keep her silent.
1: Hi, Scott. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thank you for coming down here. And you actually live walking distance. Uh, I studio, am
1: less than a mile away, uh, just down the street, and uh, it's funny because uh, my regular day-to-day schedules changed, and so I'm doing more and more walking. And I love this this particular area because almost everything I need is within a mile. So that's kind of my marker. If it's something within a mile, just just walk it. That's
0: cool. And uh, she's in uh, East Hollywood. We're at the UCB Theater in uh, Western and Sunset. And so this is a bit of a uh, public commuter hub. The subway is only a couple blocks away uh, at Vermont and Sunset. It's
1: three blocks from my place. It's it's such an easy access location. I use it all the time.
0: And I literally met Bobby on a sidewalk about three or four years ago when I was out promoting uh, a busted show. And it's easy for me to actually recall when I met Bobby because Uh, I actually only promoted on the sidewalks and streets of Los Angeles for a relatively short period of time. And that actually leads into my story today about how to promote a show properly. My first year promoting Busted, when I first started the show about four years ago, um, it was going to be a rotating theme built around the multiple uses of the word busted. The first show was the bus theme, getting around L.A. without driving. So I came up with the idea of, hey, I'll put up flyers on all the bus stops. I'll put them on the benches. I'll put them on the telephone poles by the buses and the telephone uh, posts and any place near the buses, windows, garbage cans. And hopefully that will draw a good crowd of local public transit uh Riders and commuters who would be interested in stories. So as it turned out, that worked. It was effective. Uh, We had a couple dozen people show up to the very first show, and that's pretty good. Uh, That's a good number for a new storytelling show, especially dealing with a niche such as public commuting stories. So I was like, wow, well, if 25 flyers worked, then imagine 50 flyers. And it, it worked double effective. And then uh, I was like, well, 50 flyers works great. Let me try 100. And eventually I was up to a couple hundred flyers, and I was bringing in a good 40 to 50 people at my shows. So everything was working great. Then uh, one day, it was right after i had hurt my knee, so it was about five or six months in, maybe uh, September, uh, I was walking into uh, the Stories Books Cafe, which is where we do our shows, the Home Terminal and Echo Park. And one of the owners said that the other owner had a letter from the city for me. So I was thinking like, oh, this must be an accommodation uh, thanking me for putting together this amazing show, uh, highlighting the community of travelers on the bus and the trains. That's so awesome. I love our city. And she comes back out and she hands me uh, this letter from the city, and it turns out that it's not exactly accommodation, it's actually a fine for $500 uh, for littering. uh, Because they said that my posters were actually littering uh, the streets. And it's amazing how you can justify uh, littering, uh, you know, when it's your personal pet passion project. Uh, So I would put my posters on discarded posters. and, And I would tell myself, well, that's not littering, because I'm Taking the, the actual litter, the old poster, and I'm beautifying it by making it current, by putting my poster on this person's poster, like of some concert or festival that happened a month earlier. Well, the city didn't see it that way. And I got fined $550 dollars that I didn't have. And I was thinking like, man, I might have to cancel this show. Uh, but I decided, well, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight this ticket. Uh, because, you know, there's got to be a clause, something. It's not cool. You know, $550 for what probably took about 10 seconds, because I was actually fined for three posters. And I was like, I'm going to fight this. But the owner of the bookstore, uh, who was actually the talent buyer for uh, Spaceland Productions, she told me, Scott, we've had tons of bands get these tickets before, these fines for the posters, No one has ever won. Just pay the ticket and get it over with. Move on. But I didn't have the money. So I was going to postpone this as long as possible and try to come up with a way to win. So finally, after about seven months or so, my date uh, in front of the inspector, my appeal uh, came up on the calendar. And I showed up. And first, I tried to say, like, it's not fair. Uh, you know, it only took two seconds to take the posters down, and that comes out to about one point seven million dollars per hour, and that is unreasonable. And the inspector was totally not having that. That that actually kind of offended the inspector. And then I tried to just say it's not cool. Like I wanted it to be, like something like uh, where uh, maybe he would see this. You know, come on, five hundred dollars. I'm doing a community service. I'm not being paid for this. Uh, But he didn't see that either. And finally, he's like, can I talk now? And I'm like, yes, fine. And I knew I was going to lose. And I was going to have to pay this $550 that I didn't have, but I worked something out. And he explained the reason that they fine for this littering, because it takes a long time to find out who is responsible uh, for the littering. And they actually find the venues. They don't find the artists, uh, which is not fair to the venues, but it's too hard to find the artists, and I wasn't going to leave my venue on the, on the lurch, and I was ready to accept my fate. And uh, then he took a look at the poster, uh, the inspector, and he asked what the show was about, and I explained, well, it's true stories about getting around LA told by people who don't drive, and it's about the community of bus rider, bus riders, and how we all get along, and you know how we all look out for each other, and we're a community within a community. And it just happened that uh, this inspector's father had been an operator for the RTD for 30 years when he was growing up. He was a bus driver. And so uh, this inspector grew up on the bus. And he turned to me and he said, you know what? It's true. They are a community. I grew up on the bus and he started telling me stories that his father would tell him and we ended up spending like the next 20 minutes of this appeal just swapping bus stories. And he's on my email list for the show, although he's never come to a show. Uh, and then he said to me, listen, if I let you go with a warning, you know, will, will you promise never to hang up posters again? Because if I do find any of your posters in here again, I will, uh, I will prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. And I said, absolutely. In fact, give me the rules. I'll give them to the club. I'll make sure that it's up there and that everybody knows the rules so that there's no reason for people to have posters up there on the streets in the future. Um, And he gave me the list and I passed that on to them. And he actually uh, waived the ticket. I won the appeal. I'm the only person to win this appeal, uh, like in the history of Echo Park. And I go home to my roommate and I'm telling him, "Yeah, man, uh, you know, I, I won the appeal, and you know, because his uh, father was a bus driver, and my roommate said, "No, Scott, you won the appeal because you told the better story. You framed it correctly, and you convinced him to waive that fine." And I said, "Dude, if that man's father was a plumber, this show would be down the drain." And that's how I know when I met. My first guest today.
1: Yeah, I actually love uh, the story of how we met each other because I remember when I first saw the poster was before you and I actually met. I was with a friend and I stopped and I was so excited because you know this was a few years ago and I grew up in L.A. like you said, uh, always on the bus. And believe me, it has not always been a popular choice. So the idea that there's someone who's actually putting together a show and people are going to talk about their experiences, I said, I've got to go and check that out. So it was a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. And, you know, uh, she was someone that uh, I had met her and she came to a show and then I didn't see her for another year.
1: Yeah, that was uh, the night that we came to see you was the same day I met you uh, on Sunset Boulevard, and we went to the show, had a great time at the show. The stories were great, but I think just the environment, you you were very welcoming with people, so it just felt good to be there. And I said, okay, I've got to go. I don't have anything that I can say today and sound halfway intelligent, so next time... And, you know, life goes on. Next time instead of next month, it becomes a few months. And then I think it was about a year and a half almost uh, before I finally came around to it. Uh, And I was looking and happened to see your poster again. And it happened that my brother was coming to visit. And, you know, I had some other friends. And I said, okay, you know what? Now's the time to submit a couple of stories and see if I can go and share something.
0: Now, uh, one thing I got to add, because you mentioned the posters, by that time, I was only putting them legally in the windows of the bookstores and restaurants that allowed me I
1: saw it on on the bulletin board (laughs) in the bookstore. Yes, you're right.
0: Because I follow the guidelines (laughs) now. I'm not getting another fine, and I'm not going to make that inspector look bad.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) So uh, the first uh, show I did with you was at the library.
0: Yes, you had sent me two stories, asked me if I would consider them, asked me if I remembered you, which I did, Mm -hmm. because uh, I remembered there was only a five-month window where I was actually hanging up posters. So that made it a little bit easier. Easier. Right, And I remembered meeting you on the bridge because that was kind of a unique place. The the bridge on Echo Park on Sunset Boulevard that goes over Glendale uh, Boulevard. It's a common approach on the main strip of Echo Park where we do our show.
1: Right. A- and I had the dogs and so forth. So yes. a couple of reminders. But yeah, I remember uh, sending you a couple of stories and thinking, you know, I, I know I have a lot of uh, very specific experiences, but you know, I'm not a comedian and you're very charming. And a lot of the storytellers you have are very, very funny. Uh, And I wasn't quite sure if I was going to fit, but I said, okay, you know what? Uh, These are real experiences and good stories. So let me just take a chance.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought they were both amazing right off the page. I was like, boy, these are fantastic stories. They are very real. They're not funny. They're very serious. And if she's able to deliver them audibly the way she's able to put them on paper she could be a fantastic storyteller and lo and behold uh, she was great right off the bat i was booking you regular and even though i can't book you at the comedy shows you know because right. we have special events at comedy central stage and places like that uh, for an event like L.A. Commotion, which is coming up in November, I definitely wanted you to be a part of that because that realism is such an important part of what Busted is.
1: Oh, yeah. I was really excited about it. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things is so many people just in my life have so many questions about, you know, what's it like to be out there? Uh, it's nice that it's getting a little bit more um popular, a little bit more acceptable because for so many years, especially in my professional environments, it's sort of like the odd topic of, oh, how am I going to ask this person, you know, how does she do it? Yeah. And now it's just a little bit more common because I, I think because people are talking just more regularly that this is just a part of life like anything else.
0: Now, you grew up in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, so you've been around, you know, pre-Subway uh, as oh, well. Yeah. So tell me, what was it like when... Uh, when the subway was starting to come out and you'd see like just this construction and this vague idea of going underground in Los Angeles?
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I think it was um, a bigger deal for people who weren't regularly taking transit. Um, I was used to walking around if there's some kind of construction or obstacle. You know, you just walk around it. You figure out where the next stop is. I liked the idea of having uh, some kind of access that would really avoid the traffic. Now, that was exciting. I I knew it was going to take a long time. I was actually working on... Vermont and Wilshire at the time and I was at a private post-secondary school and my boss had come and he was going to some of the city planning meetings and he was talking about everything they're going to do at that corner and I thought okay that's great but that's still probably 10 years out So, and it was. It was, yeah. was several years out but it was... It, I saw it as a positive in that it was going to, in the long run, I wasn't even thinking about transportation. I was thinking about this the social impact. Sure. It's actually going to help people uh, use a little more, which means people are going to be out and about a little bit more and not so afraid of each other. And I think that that's one of the benefits you get whenever you're out on public transit is you're around people maybe you wouldn't always see. And suddenly the fear factor is not quite so stifling.
0: And you actually covered a lot of ground uh, for your daily commute for work. Like, when, oh, yeah. when I met you, I believe you were living around Echo Park area and you were traveling down towards. Hawthorne?
1: Oh, I've been kind of all over the place. Um, Whenever you and I met, I was actually not far from where I am here. I was uh, a a little closer to Silver Lake. But uh, I was commuting to the LAX area, and I did that for years and years. Uh, And there was a time that I worked in Compton— and so I would take, and that was great that I had the train because then I would take the red line uh, down to the blue line, and then get off the blue line and walk to to my job. Uh, so I've I've actually always had fairly long commutes, um, and, and it's kind of funny because you know friends have asked, well, why don't you just move or move closer to work? But you know Hollywood's kind of a cool place where yeah. where all kinds of stuff's going on, and you know I, I can't necessarily just walk out in the middle of the street at any time if i'm over in uh you know near the lax area so
0: yeah yeah it's s- not so much true and you were at, you actually turned me on to the crenshaw stories mural uh which is way down on the green line at crenshaw station which is uh by uh, the artist um buzz specter which is one of the greatest artist names ever and uh it's uh, described as personal stories and images of open books embedded in tiles through the lower level, and then on the upper level, the benches uh, continue that book motif, and uh, they, they cover the 72 most common languages used in Los Angeles, and that's so cool down there. It
1: is very cool, and it's so funny because um, whenever I would tell people that, you know, I take the the western bus all the way over and then I'd get on the green line it's sort of like oh my goodness how long it is but that stop was really uh, a very comfortable stop uh, yeah it, it's the artwork is great oh, I love beautiful. reading all of the yeah. tiles it's it's very interesting and I loved just sort of the different voices that come from it yeah and, and my actual experience at that stop um, has always been very comfortable. It's always been very uh, casual, very um, easy to talk to folks. And sure. uh, it, it was a part of my regular commute for, for several years.
0: And it's very spiritual, just a great vibe. Like a lot of yeah. positive affirmations. I, I recall filming it for my drone box show, for the video story show. And as I was filming it, a woman walks behind me, this elderly woman. She asked me what I was filming. And I kind of pointed out the tile and the way the bench structures and the railings kind of have this interesting symmetrical look. And then she replies, you must be a very happy person to see that. <laughs> and then she walked away and caught the bus.
1: <laughs> well, I understand, you know, that there's a certain uh, part of town where you know it's it's a, a difficult life, and there's that that area. Yeah. Uh, definitely is is close to some uh, you know kind of uh, spaces you might not want to be around. But that spot, that stop, it's it's very cool. I love the tiles, yeah. and there are a lot of really interesting things if you really take the time to just stand there and read. And all, they actually
0: them. talk about. Some of the gang elements within the mm-hmm. tiles. They talk about uh, desire to be someplace without, you know, shootings. They talk about Japanese and Filipino immigrants when they first came to the country.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, just in my experience living in LA for so long, you know, growing up in some of the um, you know rougher areas, uh, in a way, some people might think that I'd be a little bit more nervous being out. But to be honest. Uh, It's sort of, you know, like she was pointing out to you, part of it is your perspective. You know, as I'm out and looking at things, there there are lots of situations that are questionable and kind of dangerous. But at the same time, there are always other people who are looking out you know so yeah. maybe there's one or two who seem to be threatening but there might be 5 or 6 that are watching out for you so there there is a balance to it
0: exactly and that that actually makes me want to ask you to tell your story because i always think of you as one of the social consciences of of busted uh, do you have a story for us today that you could share, Bobby?
1: Well, you know what I, I was thinking about this, and um, it, it's actually similar to the first story I shared. Okay. Um, but a, a couple of weeks ago, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Adrian Hoff, uh, oh, posed Adrian. a question on Facebook, and it was really uh, to anyone, but specifically women. Uh, there, there are a lot of times whenever women are are out and they're approached in sort of a harassing way, and the question was. Um, do you want someone to intervene, or or how do you handle it? And I I love that she asked the question because I just think we need more dialogue on it. We we just don't talk about how to handle things well enough. But there's not a clear cut answer to me. You know, it really just depends on the situation. And uh, the story I want to tell you today it happened on the red line, and it's happened several times. But this is this is one particular time it happened just uh, a just a week and a half ago, and I was going downtown and it was somewhere between um, Alvarado and, and 7th Street, but there was this young Asian lady, I'd say early 20s, and obviously English was not her first language, uh, but there was this guy talking to her, and again, so many things are just nonverbal. It's not like she—he was he was attacking her, but he was sort of leaning in on her, and she was clearly not wanting to have any dialogue, and so when I saw this, I did read it as she's uncomfortable and he's clearly crossing a boundary, but he obviously is not going to have any kind of real um, sensor for respect or he wouldn't be doing this. So I, I don't want to butt in and create more of a problem because I don't know how he's going to react. But what I did, she was sitting in one of the side, um, the single side seats, and so I Just went over to her and acted like I needed to see the poster behind her. You know, there's often informational posters behind those seats. And I just said, oh, excuse me, can I take a look at that? And it gave her an excuse to change her energy from paying attention to him to paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. And she got to stand up. And then I'm now talking to her saying, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm just getting off uh, in a couple of stops. And I want to make sure I'm not missing my space. And I think that so many times it just depends on the situation. I've had that kind of situation a lot. And I've found that a lot of times when you don't know how to handle something or you're not quite sure how a personality is going to react, the best thing you can do is shift the energy because then you're not really competing yeah. with the person. You're simply offering a way out. And I, so that's what I did. And I think this young lady really appreciated it because when she got up to let me see the poster, she didn't sit down again. She yeah. stayed standing and moved over. So I think that's, um, that's just a, a simple story. And I thought of Adrian with that. Um, but that tends to be my approach a lot, is kind of read the situation and don't necessarily take on Whoever's being disrespectful, yeah. But maybe just suggest a shift. So that that's usually worked for me.
0: That's an interesting approach. I was actually uh, in the lobby of, or actually in the cafe of UCB a little bit earlier, and there was a woman sitting opposite me, and we were chatting. You know, I'd mentioned she'd been to a show before. I'd mentioned I was doing this show, and she started talking about how she used to drive or ride the bus, and she stopped. Because she was getting harassed so much,
1: it is very, very common. Um, and you know, it's it's one of these things. I think there's kind of a catch in it, right? Because I think that one of the ways people can be less fearful of each other is being out with each other. Sure. And I think that there's there's a risk, right? Whenever yeah. you're out and you're not quite sure how to read energy or how to take care of yourself, then there's definitely a risk. Uh, but it, it's it's one of these things that frankly, it's happened so regularly that I personally have my own approach to it yeah. I, I kind of I've, I've been you know on the bus for years so i'm I'm probably better at kind of reading risk a little faster
0: yeah I'm sure you develop like uh, what um Katya for example regular and busted would describe as her uh, her grouch face yes um, you know just something that says so stay away.
1: Absolutely. It's so funny because even friends of mine who take the bus with me, they tease me because I'm, you know, open and and I have plenty to say. And then as soon as we get on the bus, I go into this kind of read the environment mode and I'm not always so talkative. And part of it is because I really don't want to leave myself open to anybody to join my conversation. So I'm, I'm often very careful about how I uh, control my communication.
0: Now, do you ever use headphones?
1: Oh as my goodness. A, uh, yes.
0: Like a, a kind of a distraction or a way I, to get I people do, away. I do.
1: I do often. Um, I, it's funny because on the train, I use it much more for whatever reason. Uh, But on the bus, I don't tend to use them a lot, but they're sort of my backup. If I see someone that I just know I don't want to get into a dialogue with, I will intentionally put them on so I can uh, appear as though I'm not listening.
0: Now, on a less confrontational uh, topic, uh, I know you used to take really long commutes when you're dealing with work. Yeah. Um, So one of the big issues that they're trying to do right now in the bus and train, and I I get it from the tower perspective – trying to get people to eat less on the buses and on the trains. However, a lot of people work one, two jobs. They don't have that privilege of sitting at a kitchen table at 6 p.m. So often you have to eat while you're commuting. Uh, And I know that with some of your rides, they were probably upwards of two hours. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever have any uh, challenges like having a dinner between?
1: Well, I, I gotta tell you, I, I've, you know, I know we're not supposed to eat, but, you know, there have been a handful of times I have. Um, and usually, I know the kind of food to choose. It's usually just a quick sandwich. Sure. You know, something that I I can handle very easily. Containable. And just containable, you know, no, no soups or anything yeah. like that. No mangoes. No, no mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> the only fruit I've eaten on the bus, and I stay away from fruit mostly because of the smell. Yeah. Because you can always tell when someone's eating fruit. Yeah. Well, one day. And the juice. And, well, yeah, and the juice. Well, one day I was really hungry and I broke my rule of, you know, no fruit. And I just, you know, as quietly as I could started peeling this orange. I'm thinking, God, this orange smells really good. Yeah. I hope the driver doesn't smell it. And of course, I was almost all the way to the back. Uh-huh. I was past the back door. But of course, the driver did smell it yeah. and say, Someone's got some oranges here? And I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a long ride I didn't eat. Yeah. And I offered to share. And he's like, no, no, no. I just want to let you know that those smell really good. And he's I'm like, like yeah. thank
0: you for covering the smell of poop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did smell much yeah. better after I, I started cutting open the oranges. <laughs>
0: oh, my train ride today smelled so bad. I only took two stops. Oh, and, wow. And they were brutal stops. I almost, I almost just took credit for the smell. At the second stop, when people are going to get on, I, was, I just wanted to say, like, I'm sorry, I sharted. Uh, just so s- someone could take credit. Well, for I have that to smell.
1: tell you, there they're. they're there have been lots of times, you know, the smells are, are, are a real uh, problem, but there have probably been two or three times that it was bad enough that yeah. I actually got off the bus, even though it meant I was extending my ride yeah. another 30 minutes. That's okay.
0: I remember one time <laughs> I got on, I believe it was the 212, and I took a step on, maybe two steps on, in the the bus had already started driving, and I kind of started noticing that everybody was covering their nostrils with either their shirts, like it was a turtleneck, right. or their hands, or or a cup, or papers. But it took a couple steps deep into the aisle before it really registered that they were all trying to deny this odor from entering their body while they're all kind of watching me to see the moment <laughs> it hits And then it hit. And it was almost like stepping on a landmine, like in one of those Vietnam War movies where you hear the click. And then you're like, oh, that guy's never going to be able to move from that spot I've ever again. I've definitely
1: made that mistake where I get on the bus and I'm all excited. Oh, my goodness, there's an open seat right yeah, there. Why yeah. isn't anyone sitting there? And I race to it. I'm like, oh, that's why.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. tough. You always got to look down at that that suspicious <laughs> open spot. It's like right. like they say, if that seat is too good to be true.
1: It probably <laughs> is. That's right.
0: Uh What I want to do now real quick, I want to take advantage of uh, a little bit of time that we have left. We are going to do our very first bus cinema review. I want to talk about a movie. Uh, This came out in the late 70s, 1978. And these bus cinema films, these are films that utilize the bus or the trains or public transit within Los Angeles and really shows it in a fine light. Uh, two films that come to mind, just straight out Hall of Famers, obviously Speed, the greatest movie ever right. made. And also uh, the movie Tangerine came out a couple of years ago, uh, which uh, uh, was just a great film. Took place on a bus in Hollywood, uh, directed by Sean Baker, who might be nominated for an I award this year. I haven't seen that one. That's definitely one to check out. It's on Netflix, okay. Tangerine. I'll talk about that on a future show but today I wanted to talk about a movie that came out in the late 70s called The Late Show. It took place in Los Angeles, produced by Robert Altman, directed by Robert Benton, who went on to win Academy Awards for Best Director and Best Screenplay for Kramer Versus Kramer uh, two years later. Uh, this movie, uh, The Late Show, basically uh, was a, a movie that was... Part of a trend that came out in the 70s where uh, film directors were going like, hey, I wonder if we took one of those like hard-boiled detective films from the 40s with Humphrey Bogart, like the right. Philip Marlowe, Raymond Chandler, Sam Spade-type characters, and put them in today's you know Los Angeles. How would they cope? And the first movie to come out with that was Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye, which featured Elliot Gould, and that was a rad movie. And this was the follow-up, a second film uh, with the same type of a theme. It was called The Late Show. The uh, hard-boiled detective was played by Art Carney. And uh, the premise was he was kind of a burnt-out, maybe 59-year-old, uh former P.I. down on his luck, beat up and kind of on his last legs. And he gets a client who's this crazy, whacked-out, manic, hippie, Lily Tomlin.
1: I love Lily Tomlin. She's great. And
0: she's in full Lily Tomlin (laughs) mode. Uh, Crazy, hippie, uh, funny, wild, firecracker. And it's an interesting movie, but the reason that it's a bus cinema Hall of Fame film is that this character did not drive. Uh, So he rode the bus. Hard-boiled detective,
1: and this uh, was the 70s? This is the wow. late 70s. okay.
0: Uh, so he's he was elderly. And the weird thing is, he's really only about five years older than Keanu Reeves is now. Um, and Keanu Reeves is John Wick. You know, he's doing like wire foo stuff now. Uh, but Art Carney, he had a bum leg and a hearing aid. And, you know, he had glycerins. And, <laughs> right. You know, he couldn't chase the bad guys because he could have a heart attack. And uh, so it was really interesting. Uh, so... Uh, I actually wrote down the buses that he took. He took the uh, Fairfax bus, which was the 89. The
1: 89 at that time. Okay.
0: And he had to go see one of the bad guys who was living up in the hills in Los Feliz. And so because he had to walk up the hill, like Wilcox Hill— Uh, He was all winded (laughs) by (laughs) the time. And I totally know that feeling because I've been to like houses up in the hills like when I was a photographer.
1: Well, and you're in Pasadena now.
0: Yeah. Oh, same thing. Exactly. Uh, So it's like if I had to go to see the bad guy and he was staying like where (laughs) I'm staying right now, I would be exhausted. And that's why he was able to get taken advantage of by the bad guy's henchman. He got beat up because he was winded from taking the bus. Uh, and then uh, later on, he took the bus to his place. He was staying at a boarding house down by Lamert Park. Okay. Um, or actually, it's down by West Adams. Because uh, I would actually, when like he would shoot at a car and they'd show like a street, I'd look it up on Google Maps. And I was like, oh, okay, West Jefferson. You can
1: recreate his whole route.
0: Yeah, I, I totally got it down. It's down by where uh, <laughs> uh, one of our busted regulars, Horace Raw, uh, oh,
1: does okay. his shows right. at.
0: And then uh, the final scene... And this was my one flaw with the movie. Uh, the final scene of the movie, him and Lily are sitting on a bench in front of Hollywood Forever Cemetery um, in uh, Hollywood on Sunset. But they were making believe they were on Melrose. And, oh. and I could tell by their bus dialogue because the buses haven't changed. In fact, the bus bench Hadn't even changed. It was one of those wax museum right. benches with Frankenstein's monster on it.
1: See, um, they should have known an L.A. native or L.A. resident would have known that. Yeah, Absolutely. eventually
0: someone's going to dig it up in the archives <laughs> right.
1: and say, wait a minute. <laughs> you can't catch
0: the four from the 10. That's wrong. And that's so, wrong. So, so like Art Carney says to Lily Tomlin, so how are you going to get home? And she, and she goes, well, I figure I'll take the 10 and then I'll connect on Highland to the 4, and that'll take me home to Vermont and Franklin. And I was like, no way! (laughs) That is so not true!
1: You're going to have to look up the old uh, bus schedules now and see if there was a different route. You need to challenge the integrity of that movie.
0: Well, I suppose the 420 might have done that, except because that was the Hollywood bus back in the day. That would go from, uh, from... downtown it would pass la city college and then it would hook up highland ave and go into the valley
1: yeah i don't think i know that route
0: what she would have taken because i saw they had the fairfax bus which was the 89 she would have taken the 10 to the 89 which would have hooked up (laughs) but the most uh effective efficient route since she was going to vermont and franklin would have been to just take the 10 To Vermont. To Vermont, right? And then just take the 207.
1: Okay, well, we're going to have to talk to them and And get this fixed.
0: She probably could have walked there. She was
1: (laughs) That's right. I mean,
0: her character was 29. Come on. And she did, like, yoga and stuff because she was a wacky hippie. So anyway, uh, other than that one bus flaw... Uh, I thought it was a really good movie, and it's worth checking. out. I'm gonna out.
1: have to check it out. Okay, and,
0: uh, and it's in fact, I'll gi- I'll give you the uh, DVD so oh, you can awesome. check okay. it out because I have it with me. Uh, so look that up when you have a chance. It's the Late Show, directed by Robert Benton, starring Art Carney, who won a National Film Society Best Actor award for that, and awesome. Lily Tomlin, uh, who was uh, already you know kind of working her two kind of characters. You know, she had her. Uh, dramatic characters that she would do in the Robert Altman films like Nashville and her manic kind of uh, comedy characters. And I thought it was just a really interesting uh, combination of hard-boiled noir thriller. And it was actually a very good detective film and this crazy, you know, Lily Tomlin comedy. Uh, And you could see how her character would drive this hard-boiled, you know, detective crazy. Uh, And they took the bus.
1: I love it, a whole new way to look at film. Just think of, you know, where the bus riders are.
0: I know. Yeah, I wish they'd show the bus riders. I was actually watching when they'd get on the bus bench at the end. Um, You know, you could see through the window, and I wanted to see where they were sitting. (laughs) Because I already knew the scene, the final scene, they get on the bus, and then the bus drives away, and they just show the empty bench. So I'm like, okay, because I've seen it twice now. I know that they're going to get on the bus. I want to see where they sit. Because I am a true bus geek.
1: That's dedication.
0: (laughs) Um, Anyway, I want to thank you, Bobby, for uh, being my guest today on the show. And where can they uh, find out about your book, by the way?
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you. Uh, You can go to my website, uh, which is bobbybecerra.com, and you can see an overview of the book. And uh, you can link to my Facebook page and uh, Twitter page and everything from there.
0: If you would like to appear on a future Busted Los Angeles show and tell your story, or you'd like to refer a friend, or you would like to refer a place in Los Angeles where you would like us to bring our live show, you can write me, Scott Schultz, at bustedlosangeles at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Tune in on SoundCloud. I'm your host and producer, Scott Schultz. I'd like to thank our executive producer, Emily Sachs. Theme music provided by Veterans of Future Wars. Recording and engineering provided by Cody Ziegler. Audio editing and additional music from Taylor Frost. Thank you again. Please respect the crosswalks.